0: We're grateful to have you here. We hope, as every morning that we gather together, that you're encouraged, you're refreshed, you're renewed, and you're challenged in your faith, in your walk with the Lord. Um, and this morning's no different. And we're really glad to have you here. If you're listening later, wherever you are in the car or doing something else, um, we hope that you can pay attention, not hurt yourself, and again, be encouraged as you listen later. Um, hey, you have caught us in the, the fifth part of a series called The Seven. And before I get too far into The Seven, I just want to throw my. Um, voice behind again this thing that we talked about here a minute ago, love you. If you are are not yet signed up or don't know anything about that, grab a a card in the welcome center there on your way out. This went to a bunch of mailboxes this week. If you live in and around the church, you got a mailer about this. Um, And so we we have this out for our people to look at. Grab that. You can pass it out to people who, who might be interested in that. So love you is coming up which provides a lot of good fun, entertainment, um, good content, good fun together. And then secondly, on the March 9th, our next series that we're going to start called Home Improvement. This is an interactive teaching series with uh, myself, uh, Pastor Joel, and then Chuck Holt, Director of the Factory Ministries. We're going to be teaming up on this one in a different way, in a unique way, where we're going to be sharing about some of God's ideals for um, homes, marriages, children, and then try to get into the, the difficulties, the realities of real life, um, the issues related to separation, divorce, raising kids, technology, special needs children, all kinds of things that we're going to get into with this series. We're going to have a time to interact with you in, in via text, sending in your questions to us. Um, so at the end of the messages, we'll hear from you and interact and kind of dialogue with you on a lot of things. So we're looking forward to that March 9 is Home Improvement, okay? So back to the 7. The 7, in case this is your first uh, week with us or you're listening online and you don't know what we're talking about, the 7 is a series um, about the 7 Deadly sins. And here's our premise. Um, the first Sunday I spoke, I was up here and I represented this section of our sanctuary, I'm now standing on the stage, as um, creation. That God created us in an ideal place, in an ideal world, and in an ideal way to relate to Him without any hindrance and to relate to one another without anything between us. So this is how God made us. And then I said, once sin happened, we kind of came down here to live in the muck and the mire of the life that you and I know. The the sin-cursed world. And that if we're not careful, we can think that we are actually made for this world. We are made for the sin problems that this world has. That we were made to relate to one another kind of in shadows. Rather than in the fullness of life that God has made us to relate to one another in. And every now and then, here's what happens. Every now and then, when you fall in love with somebody for the first time, or you're walking down the aisle... Or you have kind of a a spiritual moment on a retreat, um, uh, kind of an event where you're just kind of woken up uh, uh, fresh to the vitality of the fullness of relationship. Where love hits you anew and where you think all the world, who cares about bills and money? Like we have love, you know. And then you come back and you're like, I need to care about the bills, okay? And in those moments when you're just kind of drawn into this ideal state, I believe there's this kind of drawback that we were made for more than what we experience on the day-to-day basis. We were made perfectly and in a place to relate to one another and to relate to God perfectly. The problem is sin impacts us. It keeps us. It kind of shields us from loving and caring for one another. And in the series called The Seven, as we look at the seven deadly sins... One of my stated goals for you is that by the end of this series, if not in the middle of it, what have you, that it will become common. You will have at least one relationship where confession becomes a normal part of your dialogue with one another. Why? Because confession takes us a little bit further from here, kind of up the step a little bit to a fullness of relationship and joy that we cannot experience without confession. Just reality. So my hope for you is that. Now, this morning, we're going to be covering a new um, seven deadly sin, the fifth of the seven that we're covering, and it's the sin. Um, oh, hold on. Here we go. It's the sin of anger, okay? The sin of anger. Now, um, how many of you all had snow this week? That was funny. Okay. Um, wasn't it awesome? Here's what happened in our house. Um, we're so tired of snow. I'm so tired of snow. Anyone with me? Yeah. <laughs> Who who of you actually are good? You're happy? You guys are a bunch of weirdos. All right. Um, We're going to... There's a sin of snow loving. I don't know what it is. Seven deadly sin. Well, there's so much around, and we happen to have... um, uh, 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 a skid loader that does our drive and stuff. And so it piles up big mounds of snow over my head and, and all that. And we've made, with our kids, we've made some fun uh, ramps, um, sledding ramps that go down they're starting at six, eight feet up and then going down with some jumps in it and all that. So here's what you know if you've ever been sledding, and most of you have been, that when you first start the, the first run on the sled, this is not very exciting, is it? Because you start going down, you are oh, I can't wait to go sledding. And you go outside and boom, like you just you don't go anywhere because the the path hasn't been cut yet, has it? It takes two, three, four, ten, twelve, whatever it takes to get that that path worn down and then and then especially overnight, that thing ices up. Woo. And that is set and stone and ready to go. And what was fast yesterday becomes super fast, you know, today because it's hardened and it's really kinda iced up and you're ready to fly. And that's kind of what's happening in our front yard right now. That thing that was just kind of fun is now dangerous, right? I mean that that's what happens with, with snow and how we sled and, and routes get cut in the snow. And the reason I bring that up is because this this issue is exactly um, how we should see any um, moral issue related to, the, to temperance. Okay? So in other words, any moral decisions we make that we can either say yes or no to, like the seven deadly sin of lust, or the seven deadly sin of gluttony, or today, the seven deadly sin of anger, anything that we can say yes or no to becomes essentially a run in the snow. In other words, when I say yes to anger consistently, over and over and over and over again, I'm cutting into the snow of my behavior patterns that over time will become easier and easier and easier and easier to continue to sled on. If I continue to give in to my anger, I'm just cutting a path. And over time, it hardens into what was once kind of slow, into fast, and then into dangerous. Any moral issue where you can say yes or no. Same thing happens with lust. You give in to that temptation over and over and over again. It becomes easier, faster, and more dangerous. Same thing with gluttony. And today is the issue with anger. And so what I want to deal with for us is this reality that depending on how old you are, how experienced you are with anger, you know, if you have your masters in anger, you know, then you have created and I have created um, pathways in my, my mind and my heart and my behavior that I go to over and over and over again. It's my default behavior related to anger. And I can very easily get on that sled and slide right down into anger immediately. And I know what to do. No one even needs to tell me what to do. I'm just good at it. And I'm quick and boom, I go. So this morning, we want to look at anger, and I want to challenge us to look again at what is my default, and what can I learn from that? Now, anger is a little bit of a confusing topic, if we're honest, because anger, as we think about it, number one, we think it's bad. Like, who at their funeral would want, if you're, kind of morbid thought, all right, if you're laying up here in the casket, and we have sharing time about your life, who would like uh, one of the first comments to be, wow, you know, just an angry person, it was so nice to know Joe or Jane, they were just angry. I mean, No, no one wants that, right? No one wants their legacy or their rep to be what, is an, angry, an angry person. No one wants that. So anger, if we have a scale up here, and this is bad and this is good, we'd put bad. Anger is bad. But then, if you stop to think about it a little bit more, you think, well, wait a minute. Anger can be good, in particular, related to responding to injustice. Anger can be good, right? Let's just say after church, you saw me, all right, um, with some of the kids that run through the halls. And, and we've, when our kids are younger, and even now, we tell them, okay, try not to run in church. Not because we think that somehow God doesn't like kids who are running in church, but because it's just not safe. Okay, just like you don't run in school, you don't run at the mall. You might hurt somebody, and they'll fall down and break a leg, and then you know it would be bad. But imagine if I'm in a in a classroom. And you see me, and I see these kids coming running down the hall, and I just stick my hand out in clothesline. Boom! Kid after kid, and I just yeah, that was awesome. I mean, okay. Now now what what do you think then? I mean, do you think man good for him because someone needs to teach those kids a lesson? We'll not stay there too long, okay? But no, there's a part of you that reacts to that, right? And you're like, that doesn't seem right. Like that that's wrong right and there's something in you that is reacting to injustice the big tall guy is clotheslining kids for running are you kidding me and there's something in you that responds in anger to that anger good anger's good anger's good <laughs> but anger's bad right you know the most quoted bible verse by other biblical authors okay originates in Exodus 34, 6, I believe it is, where uh, Moses describes the character of God. And he describes the character of God as being slow to anger and abounding in love. And that phrase shows up over and over and over again. In fact, it's the most quoted verse by the biblical authors in the Bible. Slow to anger. So, anger, bad. Okay. But in the Bible, doesn't it, you know, isn't God angry too? I mean, isn't anger good? In fact, in the New Testament even, let alone the Old Testament, but even in the New, doesn't Mark in the Gospels, one of Jesus' disciples, when he's recounting one of the times when Jesus went through the temple, wasn't Jesus mad that one time? Remember that time? Yeah, when they were changing money in the temple, and Jesus, the Messiah, the sinless one, went through the temple and threw over the, the money um, changers' tables in Anger, isn't that word used to describe Jesus? Yeah, it, it is. So anger is good, right? But anger is bad. So what is it? Is it bad or is it good? Anger can be a confusing piece to consider. Now, if all we did is answer good or bad this morning, you would be smarter, but you still might be a sinner. So we're going to try to figure out beyond just how we can get smarter. We're going to try to figure out what do I do with it because the reality is whether it's good, bad, and we're going to try to differentiate the two underneath that what your ultimate question needs to be and mine needs to be is what do i do with the anger that i have now if you um if you are able to review not even i'm going to ask you not even to review your week but even just review your morning this morning how you got ready to get here and kind of get all dressed up and did your hair some of you took longer than others to do that all right and got yourself ready got the kids ready you know and uh, try to get everybody out the door on time. I mean, no stress in your home this morning, right? No no threats of anger, right? Nothing like that. I mean, yesterday, no one was upset about the snow. I mean, no one had, was upset about having to go to work, right, and this kind of stuff, right? This week, for all of you, you haven't had to deal with anger issues at all, have you, related to your boss? Your boss. Think about your boss for a minute, not too long, just for a minute. Think about the people you work with, all right? They're always helpful to you, right? You never get frustrated with the people that you work with. You never think that they don't do enough and you do all the work in the business, right? You never think that way, right? Your kids, if your parents, do I need to say more, right? Okay, you got kids. You're not getting all the sleep you need to get. You're tired. You're exhausted. And mommy, 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 mommy. Does that exist? No, just mommy, 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 right? All the time. Uh, that never gets tiring at all for any of you. You never deal with that anger stuff. Some of you, it's it's health stuff. You know, you, you just are finally to the point you're just tired of the fact that you are sick. You are the one with the broken whatever. I mean, you, why is it you... I'm frustrated. We don't use the word angry, but I'm frustrated, right, with that. So so the issue is not not is it good or bad, and not just differentiating that. The question for all of us is ultimately what do I do? What do I do when I feel angry? Feel angry. What do I do? I didn't make the team. I didn't make the musical. I didn't make the tryout thing. What do I do with that anger, right? And that's the question we want to look at. Now, with anger, I want to read to you Frederick Buchner's uh, quote. He wrote a book about the seven deadly sins, and I really love his quote, so you get the privilege of hearing it. Here's what he said. Of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. <laughs> to lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you're giving back. In many ways, it's a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. The skeleton at the feast is you. The skeleton of the feast is me, and and we know this, right? Anger is a poison that destroys not the person that it's directed toward, but the container in which we hold it. It contaminates us, and it eats us away. The anger that we feel toward other people, other things. When we we get angry, we, we have a couple of ways to go. If you imagine that sled going down the hill, if we go to the right, some people go inward with it. They sled to the right, and they sled inward. They, they bring it all in, they keep it all in, they think it's more godly that way, more right or righteous, just to be quiet all the time, keep it in. This shows up with excessive worrying, shows up with eating your way out of anger, not talking to anybody, just eating more food, trying to comfort yourself that way. Shows up biting your fingernails, doing some kind of weird stuff like that, right? It shows up with allowing other people to use your body because you're angry at other people, being very passive that way, that anger can turn inward In one aspect, and you can tell that option number one is that way, but option two is this way, outward anger. Um, You know what that is without me even having to explain it. I mean, the the verbal uh, push out that you have, that reaction to somebody, that that punch through the wall, the kick against something, the destroying of property, the throwing of something, the outward anger that just gets it out because you have to get it out after all. Right? And so when we get angry, we generally tend toward kind of sli- slide to the right on that hill or slide to the left on that hill. And kind of what I want to suggest for us this morning is that we need to consider that there are going to be times when we need to think about door number three and another option for us when we go down the road of anger. And I want to get into that as we go here this morning, all right? So there's a, two groups that I want to talk to this morning. There are some of us who um, need help with figuring out how do we handle the anger we have, but there's some of us. Um, who need to get angry? Aquinas, who was a 13th century priest, he he said that you know what he said. Um, not being angry can be just as much of a sin as being angry. In other words, some of us have gone down the inward anger thing so much that there are certain things that you should be upset about, but you're not. There's certain passions that we that should be incited in us when injustice happens that should arouse us to anger. But for some of us, it doesn't. You know, there's a reason why anger can be a very helpful, passionate thing because when you, and you may remember this, when you get cut from the team, you work harder next time to be better. When you don't get the part that you wanted in the musical, you work harder next time to be better. When William Wilberforce looked at the slave problem in England, it made him angry and he worked hard to get better at that problem, to take his country through to abolitionism. When Martin Luther King Jr. looked out and saw racism in the United States of America, he got angry and did something good about it. There is something within us that should be incited to anger at the sign of injustice. And for some of us, we have lost that. I don't quite know why, but I want to say that being fully passive, being fully removed, being apathetic is a problem. And anger can be this gift from God, this passionate response to injustice that can be redeemed for incredible things for the glory of God, okay? So there's two people here in this who are hearing this. One is we need to figure out how do we deal with their anger, but others might need to take a look and say, man, I need, I need to allow myself to see injustice again and to become angry at some things not in the negative way, and we'll talk about ways to push that anger out in the right way, okay? So with that being said, let's go to the Scriptures. I want to throw a couple verses up here, and then I would like you to go somewhere in your Bible here this morning. Um, There is, like I said, there's a little bit of confusion biblically. I want to take you to the Apostle Paul. He was a a disciple of Jesus in the sense that he followed uh, his teachings, even though he wasn't really one of the the disciples who um, you would think of as a 12-disciple. You know what I mean? All right. So Paul wrote a bunch of the Bible. He wrote in the book of Ephesians, he wrote a letter to a church in Ephesus. And here's what he said. And I'd like you to look up at the screen if you can. Give me a couple of words in yellow. And uh, if you can read them when I get to them, that'll be interactive and it'll be fun for everybody, right? Right. There we go. One person is with me. Awesome. Here we go. Ephesians 4.26. Here's what Paul has to say. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, in your... Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still... Wonderful, that was so well said. All right, so check out his assumption. The assumption that Paul has as he's writing to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 4 is that they will be angry, right? He doesn't say, if you happen to be angry, don't sin. I mean, in your anger. And then he tells you what to do with it, like how to handle it. In your anger, don't sin. And then don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And and that's, you understand that's kind of a, the point is deal with it quickly. It's actually, that's the point. Deal with it quickly. Get rid of this stuff quickly. So what Paul is saying clearly then, right, is that anger is something that we have in us and we need to know how to deal with it, right? Well, now check it out. (laughs) Because here's where Paul kind of confuses us. Now, just five verses later, just five verses later, same chapter, same author, same audience, everything. Here's what he says, and you can read along too in 431. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and... Brawling and slander along with every form of malice. So what are we supposed to do with anger, according to Ephesians 431? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. So... Okay, but a couple of minutes ago, Paul, you just said that when I'm angry, I'm not supposed to sin, and now you're telling me, get rid of it all. I'm confused. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to to manage my anger correctly, or do you want me to aim to eliminate all of my anger, all right? And here's what I think Paul is saying. The context here is he's writing to a church that's trying to figure out how to live out their faith. They've just come from a more Gentile, pagan background where they did not have... um, the the or, the order of the jewish culture and background and he's saying the anger that's in this neighborhood that's involved with brawling slander all kinds of bitterness and rage that anger no room for no room for the other anger the passionate anger that moves toward godliness is a gift from god to arouse your passions and incite you to action and in that anger don't sin in that anger, don't sin. This is what I believe Paul's saying. Now, I'd like to go with you in your Bible. If you have your Bible with you, I invite you to turn to the little book of James because I want you to see what Jesus' own brother has to say uh, about anger. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's a Bible near you in the pew around you. That is our gift to you, by the way. If you don't own a Bible, you can take that with you this morning. The book of James is toward the end of what we call the New Testament, it'll be in the right third or right quarter of your Bible. Um, you'll find the longer book of Hebrews, and then right after Hebrews is a short book called James. In James chapter 1, Jesus' brother is speaking there in verse 19, and here's what James has to say about anger. He says this, my dear brothers, verse 19, take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Angry. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, have you ever noticed that that anger follows your rate of speaking more than your rate of listening? You ever thought about that? You ever see two people in an argument and they're fighting about who's going to listen more? Stop, stop, stop. I need to listen now. I mean, what happens? You know what happens. When we start arguing, we start escalating, and I'm going to cut you off to get my point. I have to defend what I have about my position. You know? and, and anger, the build-up, the development of anger, follows my speaking, not my listening. Now, we know this. This is part of what we read about in Proverbs. Again, we've got yellow words for you guys, so check out what, um, what we read about in Proverbs right up here. Proverbs 14, 16 to 17. A wise man fears the Lord and shuns evil, but a fool is... Hot-headed and reckless, a quick-tempered man does foolish things, and a crafty man is hated. You notice the speed, the language that's put behind speaking? The foolishness that's associated with that? The hot-headed, the quick-tempered man does foolish things. This is someone who's angry and quick to get back. They're sharp, they're fast, they're right on you. No time for listening. i got to get right back to it. We read again in the book of Proverbs, and this one I love. This is, that, the previous verse is about a fool. This is about a, a wise man. A man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even-tempered. Now, and I love this last verse right here. This is, this is a lot of fun. This might be worth the price of admission here this morning. Even a fool, check this out, even a fool is thought-wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he... Holds his tongue. I mean, you might have no clue about anything in the world. And if you just don't say anything, people will think, wow, that was good. It was smart that you said nothing. And you can, even a fool, isn't this true? Even a fool is thought to be wise. Even a fool is thought to be wise if he keeps silent and discerning, if he holds his tongue. You know, that old adage better to be oh boy, what did it say? better to be thought a fool than to speak or open your mouth and remove all doubt, something like that, right? And here's the thing think about how this could work within the context of your, your marriage, in the context of your parenting, context of your business, your friends at school in the halls, in the locker rooms. Anger is going to push you to say, I need a reaction now. I need a response now. Mom, 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 Hey, I need one more thing. I need one more thing. Hey, I'm uh, sorry to bother you. I need this. Can I get this real quick? Hold on. Phone's ringing. Can I get... And the speed and the action that is required is going to push you quickly, quickly, quickly. And sometimes, sometimes... You can look really smart. You just say nothing. S- stop. And, and take it in. Stop. And take it in. And James says, hey, slow it down. Slow it down. Now, the question is why? why. Why should I slow the process down? Why should I slow it down? And here's what's so important. Back to your Bible you have open in James chapter 1. Here's why it's so important. James, the brother of Jesus, writes, For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Isn't that amazing? Here's why this is so important. Because man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. I mean, many of you have asked, you've asked yourself over the years, you, you're, this is maybe even why you're here, you're listening, you're saying to yourself, I want to do what God wants. I, I want my life to count for God. I mean, I, I want to do the right thing. What does he want with my life? Okay, I can't tell you all of what he wants for your whole life, but I can tell you this. God wants, according to James one twenty, God wants you to live a righteous life. And if that's what he wants from you, then every time that we step into man's anger, we're blowing it every time. Because my anger, my response, my reaction out of my thinking, man's anger doesn't bring about the righteous life that God desires. And so you want your life to count, right? You want your life to be modeled after the things of God. You want your life to be pursuing holiness, pursuing God, pursuing his best for your life. And James, the brother of Jesus, is just saying, hey, if you want that, just remember, every time that you step back into that, that sled, if you will, that track of anger where you just lose it and you blow it and you get angry, and you, every time you do that, you're getting away from what God wants from you. Every time. Every time. Man's anger it just never, never, never brings about the righteous life that God desires. It just doesn't do that. It can't work that way. And what does it bring about? Solomon in the book of Proverbs tells us what man's anger brings about. Here we go again. Proverbs twenty nine twenty two. Read out the yellow words with me. Here's what anger brings about. An angry man st- stirs up dissension. And a hot-tempered one commits many sins. What does man's anger result in? Brokenness. Broken pieces. Businesses that are falling apart. Trust that is broken between spouses and parents and kids. Embittered kids are upset that dad or mom keeps losing their temper. Parents who are thinking, man, what's wrong with my kids? They just don't, hmm. Individuals who are looking at the world and we can't even, we don't even know what sometimes we're angry at. We're just angry at the world. I just wish whatever wasn't true, wasn't happening. I wish I wasn't sick. I wish that my retirement was different. I wish that. The world was different. I just wish that there wasn't so much whatever and there was more whatever. I just wish. And man's anger doesn't bring about the righteous life. All that man's anger does is bring about brokenness, dissension, broken relationships, the opportunity to commit many sins. That's what man's anger results in. And so the question is, if you're thinking with me, the question is, how can I tell? And how do I know? How do I know? How do I know when I'm acting in God's anger, if you will, consistent with what God would be angry at, and how when I'm acting with what man's anger is, according to James. How do I know the difference? Because God wired us, I believe, to have anger be a part of who we are. Paul, Ephesians four twenty six, in your anger do not sin. And yet get rid of the anger that's bitter, wrathful, that rage that comes. How do I know? How do I know when I act out of anger? that it's consistent with what God wants or just kind of what I want in my intuitive response. And here's where I begin. I have to ask kind of the sub-question behind this, and that is, what do we know about God? Because I need to define, first of all, what is God's anger like? How do I know when I'm acting out in God's anger or mine? How do I know what God's anger is like? And if you think about this question, this is a massive question. What do we know about God? Of course, a lot and not enough at the same time. One of the early one of the first sunday school answers that will ever come to you about who is god who is god if you ask little kids who is god many kids will say this god is love right god is love in fact, god defines himself that way that he is love i am love god is love if that's true then everything that comes from god is done in love including even in the old testament his anger including jesus in the new testament turning over the tables in the temple done out of love now we also know this about God. God is always just. Okay? God is always just. He's, he's concerned about justice. He does not, the, the scriptures say, the Bible says, he doesn't leave, let the guilty go unpunished. In other words, there is a justice. He doesn't turn his eyes to justice, to injustice, excuse me. God is always just in all that he does. He is love and he is just. Now, third thing to think about this is that God is not punitive. By that I mean, that's a big word, but what I mean by that is God doesn't enjoy punishing you just for the fun of it he does not take a punishment and then add on to it and then add on to it just because he wants to see you suffer this is not the character and the nature of god okay so if these things are true about god that god is love god is just and god is not punitive so you know what do we say about our anger when can our anger reflect that so check this out number one question we have to ask as we filter about my response with anger Is my anger rooted in love? Now, when your child is pulling on your pant leg for the 14th time, telling you, it's time to go home. Why are we in church so long? Everyone else left. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Time to go home. I got to go. I got to go. I have to go to the bathroom. You know, Joey hit me in the face. You know, I just spit up on the floor. I mean, okay. In that moment, you're not really thinking, is my anger rooted in love? You know, that's not really what's coming to mind. But here's the thing. The question on this is, do I want restoration for this? Do I want um, do I want for this child, for this business partner, right? for my spouse? Do I want ultimately behind this anger? do I want a restoration for them, a building back up of what is good for them? Do I want that or is this really just kind of a reaction that I would you stop asking me that question? Would you just quit it? Would you stop it? okay? Is my response, do I have a piece of vision of what love looks like in this relationship? And sometimes, if we're truthful, the answer is no. In fact, a lot of times the answer is no. At which point then, we go back and say, better to zip it. Don't say anything right now. Till I can get myself, I can slow down the process, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, second question is this. Is my anger driven by justice? <laughs> Oh, you bet it is. Oh, they are going to get what they deserve. This is an easy question. Of course, it's driven by justice. You have no idea what's coming to you. Oh, just wait till dad comes home. You are going to get what's coming to you. Okay? Not that kind of justice. That's not what I mean. Is my anger driven by a sense of, boy, there's something wrong that needs restored here? Um, there is something out of place that needs put back in place not just am i inconvenienced is my schedule altered are my plans adjusted this is a question of justice for my relationships justice for work justice for the society the community in which i live am i thinking in my anger is there a piece of justice that i need to be a part of restoring third question is this is my anger too much too little or too long is my anger too much, too little, or too long? You know, when in response to I me, mean, just like you should react if you see me clotheslining kids after church or running down the hallway, you should react because that anger is too much for me, right? It's too much. Truthfully, I'm not angry about that. I just want parents of small kids to know I don't think about that, but I want you to know that would be too much to do. Turn Turn that too high. Is it too little? In other words, there are times when we just don't respond the way we should we should have responded stronger there are times when you need to be very clear very strong very forceful and unapologetically so because there is injustice that needs to be dealt with there's a problem that needs to be clearly corrected a memory that needs to be made and it needs to be done firmly clearly without argument needs to be done now And that's not done out of control. It's done well within control. But it's done rooted in love and driven by justice. Is my response too much, too little, or does it hold on too long? Okay, does it hold on too long? Now, here's the deal this morning. Um, The deal is, this is the so what thing. I, I want for you... I want this to be memorable. I want for you to remember something about this discussion here related to anger that will, will help you. And so you're about to enter um, a bit of a cheesy zone, okay? This is a cheesy zone, primarily because I could not figure out a better way to, um, to make this memorable for you. So just be warned, there's a cheesy element about to come. And, and actually, I'm going to want you to repeat with me the cheesy element is about to come because there's this principle I want to share with you that I think is true and good and I think if you will allow it to settle into your brain will help you as you kind of get on the sled of anger and decide do I go right or left in other words how do I respond to anger now I think if this phrase can kind of come back to you and you can remember oh there's a cheesy thing that we said in church what was that I think this will help bring back to mind what is a right and maybe wrong way to go okay so it begins it's kind of kind of simple to begin and there's no, no problem at the beginning but the second part is interesting all right fight for what's right okay so far so good all right makes sense i've kind of heard that before in other words with anger there are times when you should look at your kids and what they're doing and fight for what's right for them, for justice, so to speak, for your spouse, for, for, for your child to understand authority and what's right and wrong. There are times in your business you should fight for the rights of your employees and, and go to go to battle. You should die on some hills. There are times that you look around our community and you say, man, we don't have enough whatever within our community. We have a problem with this, with that. There is an injustice here that needs to be fought for, and I'm angry that we don't have the resources to deal with this. So fight for what's right. Okay? In other words, there are times when all of us should have a passionate work up in there, an anger that there's something wrong with this world, and we should fight for that. Okay? We should fight for that. Fight for what is right, and do it, please, passionately. Do it, please, consistently, and do it, please, rooted in love and guided by justice Okay, now you know, here's the cheesy part fight for what's right but pass on what's crass Okay, fight for what's right but pass on what's crass even it kind of sounds crass doesn't it even the word crass sounds crass pass in other words fight for what's right but pass on the anger another word for crass is just not intelligent Okay, that's a synonym for crass it's dumb that's selfish anger that's selfishly motivated the inconvenience come on i gotta i'm on the phone don't you know i'm on the phone like that's not really love or justice that's just i'm on the phone you know that's crass okay that's crass what's it teaching listen you got to stop talking so i can talk Let let me fight with you on this one a little bit more the speed of my words continuing to come and come and come and come and come The crassness of selfishly motivated inconveniences that just kind of show me for who I am, someone who's stuck in my little world. So, fight for what's right, but pass on what's crass. Now, here's the deal. Can you say this with me? Ready? One, two, three. Fight for what's right, but pass on what's crass. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. Now, that, I believe, represents this idea that there are some things that we should be angry about. The injustice that God has wired into your heart, that anger to respond well to those things. But it also recognizes that there are times, in fact, many times, when I lean over here and I go on to the kind of the crass side, pass the pass on what's crass. Why? Why does it matter? James reminds us. The anger of man, it never brings about the righteous life that you want in the first place. You want to do things that are honoring God? Of course you do. And every time that you step under this side of anger, every time, it never brings about the righteous life that God desires. Now, this series is about confession as well as it is about sin. We said with this confession thing that we confess small things to big groups and big things to small groups. Um, and this is what I'd like to encourage you toward. Anger is a relatively tame and easy one to talk about because you're human. Okay, All of us have been angry this week, if we're honest. And let me just encourage you to step into that conversation this week with somebody that you know. And it could be a really broad piece. It could be a conversation on your way to work with someone. It could be a conversation with your spouse over lunch about where is it that I need to exercise more patience, to zip it, to stop talking, listen, step back, become more patient, to love, show justice. Where is it that I need to do this? Within your work environment, wherever it might be. Within your marriage, to listen well, to show great patience under great stress. Okay? What is that going to look like? Confess small things to big groups and big things to small groups. Frederick Buchner is right in his quote that I read at the beginning. There are few things more fun than anger. Right? It allows you to vent the passion in your heart. But you need to remember, and I need to remember, that the the skeleton at the feast of anger is you. The skeleton at the feast of anger is me. I'm eating myself from the inside out when I just give in to anger. And the question is, as we sled down the slope of our lives and we get angry, where's our sled going? Which path do we wear well and consistently? The path of righteous anger, of God-fearing, God-driven, God-directed anger, where love and justice are in my mind we the path over here of sliding down toward impatience, angry, crass response. And here's why it matters. It's the anger of man never brings about the righteous life that God desires. And I know that you want that. I know that you want your life to count. You want it to matter, and you want every little piece of it to matter. Every little piece. In your anger, do not sin. Let's pray Our good God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be in and around this topic this morning, a very personal topic for all of us, a matter of anger that lives in each of our hearts, for each one of us at different levels, but to all of us, we deal with this because it's wired in us, and we can twist it, we can pervert it, we can change it, we can manipulate it, and it, we can bring it back.